Welcome to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center, located on East 7th Street in Joplin, where they are passionate about sharing the freedom and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dan with this week's edition of In Him. Well, would you open your Bibles with me and your grease lightning ink pens or pencils or your devices, whichever one. Pastor Cindy is a very fast typist, but if you've ever seen her thumbs when she gets on her phone and she's taking notes, I mean, I I type like this, but her thumbs just go so crazy on the thing. I I was mentioning it to her just, um, I think last night and I... Uh, you know, I'm, I've got my phone in one hand, I got the other and I'm going ding, 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 ding. If my keyboard was out, then I could do this pretty quick, you know, crack pretty fast. How many of you had to take typing in high school? Is that because your parents told you to do it or why did you take typing? Oh, it was required. That's right. Remember the day when you actually, who, re, who remembers when your typewriter was made of stone? Is it in who remembers the before electricity typewriter? Then who who remembers learning on an electric typewriter? That's awesome. Do you remember the first word processors? Mine was a Panasonic. Had the keyboard, you flipped it up into it, attached, and it could print off. You remember those, John? I mean, do you remember the early days of trying to move from text and putting? Oh my Lord! Every let me tell you who remembers all of it. It's, it's Don Allen. I mean, he's been a printer. He's done printing for years. And who remembers mimeograph? Just checking. Geezer alert. So um, I remember in my mom and dad's church, we had a, they had this thing that was covered up and I, I pulled it out and, um, and I was so excited that there was this mimeograph machine in the church. So we were just doing all kinds of stuff, making a mess and learning how to do, how to communicate the message of the gospel and the vision of the, the local church and how to share good news of what was going on. It was just all fun. Hey, you're not here for, you're not here by mistake. God wanted you here. He wanted you here tonight. And I say to you, welcome on a midweek night. You hauled yourself in here. I mean, you know, working hard, taking care of your children or laboring, whatever it is you're doing, you're working a job. And you said, I want to be part of what God is going to say to me tonight. And I just want to say to you, he's not going to disappoint. I have a couple confirmations for why. Because when I was seeking the Lord about tonight's message, and I have these different names that we're looking at and studying, I was drawn to another name strongly I was drawn to it because I like just some of the revelation on that name but the Lord kept bringing me back to the name I want to talk about tonight Jehovah we've heard it said Jaira Yuri this this name is a very powerful name I kept being drawn back to it and when I, here's the one I wanted and here's the one I'm drawn to and now I know why the worship tonight really was that not amazing worship tonight so they brought us into the presence of the Lord every song just kept thrilling me and just filling me with a sense of his presence and I was loving every song and that one in the middle there about coming to the altar they had no idea what that would do for me because um, there's a book I haven't gotten written yet please don't tell Dr. Newby um, that we work today on one of our books this 
spirit of sonship. We spent probably three hours working on that today. And I can just tell you that one of those books is about the altars of the Lord and building an altar. And so when just singing that and the Father's love and is reaching out to us, I see the spirit of sonship as it just continues to bring all those components together. Hey, let me tell you something. I really... When Jesus set me free from my sins, as a child, I came to salvation. And it was such an amazing encounter with the Lord, even as a child. I remember those those early days at Sunday school and Bible school, um, v, VBS, and all the you know Bible quizzing. Everything was just building the Word of God. But when I came into an understanding of his relationship with me and mine with his as he is my father and I am his son. It felt like so many of the pieces finally came into place and I could see a picture that has been just, it's brought such clarity. I find myself checking my own self whenever I start to form a thought about a subject or a situation. I find myself then bringing it back to look at how it relates how does sonship how does this how does this fall within the parameters of what sonship is ladies you are without gen you you have a gender but i'm saying to you that it's not about your gender gentlemen it's not about your gender it's about this position father god wanted all of us to have with him and in him. He loves his daughters and we'll preach about that in the future. But right now I just want to ask you positionally come into your position. Be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Allow that to be the measure by which you look at, you identify. Don't let the enemy of your life in any way, shape or form mar the image of God that has been formed in you through coming to salvation, coming to faith in Christ Jesus. And this whole word of Jehovah Uriah or Jehovah Jireh, I'm going to say Jehovah Jireh for the sake of how many times we've heard it pronounced that way. I'll say it that way just for common, common expression tonight. But I want you to understand the revelation of who God is in this word. So tonight I'm going to begin with uh, Genesis chapter 21, verse 33. We're going to go to Genesis 21 and verse 33. I want to ask you to think about with me the power of God's revelation of who he is and himself to us. If you'll allow me to remind you that when God created Adam and placed him in the garden and gave him a helpmeet, God called their name Adam. He saw them as a single unit. God saw them as complete in him and he called their name Adam. And there was the male and the female expression of them. What that really should do for you, show you that God always had a plan for them positionally before him. They shared an equal position. In the fall, we see some roles being identified henceforth from that. But when they were in the perfect state, God looked at them as a single unit. And the expression of, I don't say, dear and dearette, when I see deer, I see deer and there's males and females, deer. Adam, there was one complete unit. God's wanting to restore us in that kind of capacity with him, himself, as we live and move and have our being in Christ. So I want to ask you to think one more time about this, how in the garden, 
Adam did not walk around going, God, Elohim, Elohim, where are you? He was always cognizant of the presence of God. He was clothed in his presence. We talk about them being clothed in the glory of the Lord. Literally, God created a place that was the domain for man kind and they were to have dominion and live in it live in it and God would come in the cool of the day he was present and yet he came in form and walked with them in the cool of the day and had fellowship they had assignments to do they had work to do in in the garden certainly nothing like the work they would have to do after the fall but they had assignments to live and have dominion and every day in the cool of the day father would come some say it's the pre-incarnate Christ the word I know this Elohim came to visit and he walked with them and they had fellowship but even when he was not walking in their midst they yet felt his presence they were clothed with his glory you and I would see that as a separation from him he walked away that's because you and I didn't walk with the glory clothing us We've never known that until salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll let that one sink in. Because because of salvation, you and I have the indwelling presence of God. He's in us. Holy Spirit is the warranty deed. He's the guarantee of eternity. So if you meet someone who says they're a Christian, but they never feel the presence of God, that is an oxymoron. That is, that is an anomaly. That is like, that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. If you know you've been saved and the angels in heaven done signs your name, he's abiding. Shall we pull out the hymnal and sing? He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me. What's the next part? I'm rejoicing night and day, not just once a day. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way for the comforter abides with me. He's in. So Adam and Eve are in the garden and they are experiencing his presence continually and Personally, there's a manifest presence and there's his manifest presence. It's all happening. They sin. They're put out of the garden to protect them from spending eternity in death. They have eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but had they eaten in a fallen state the tree of life, they would have lived forever in death. Does that make sense? It's not a good thing. God said, I'm going to spare you from yourself. You're making some bad decisions here. You have to live out there now. And a flaming sword in the hand of the angel protected. You know, that didn't become invisible after 30 minutes. Adam and Eve are having children and their children are having children. And they can still see the entrance to the garden. And there is the angel with his sword. The Bible says that in the, in the, in the days of Enos... Adam's grandson, they built an altar to sacrifice to the Lord and they called on the name of the Lord. You don't see them ever calling on the name of the Lord until 200 years later. Even though the glory had lifted from them physically in the garden, they're now covered with these animal skins that God had to, to create for them. It, take, it took 
200 years, two centuries, for the acknowledged presence, for the comp- to the comprehending presence, the, the knowing, the conscious presence of God is no longer in their conscious thought. They now are calling on the name of the Lord. I walk through the house and I need Cindy. I don't know where she's at. And I say, Cindy. And she says, I'm in here. But if I were clothed in her presence and she in mine, we would just never have to call out. We would know where one another was. Clothed in the glory of God, there was never a a requirement of God. Why are you so far away? He wasn't. He was there. That's why you and I today need salvation and we need the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit so that at any moment we just say, Holy Ghost, what should I do now on this situation? Oh, wait a minute. I've got to run to the altar and confess. I need forgiveness. I need, I need to get that under the blood. We should not live our life waiting for a visit from the Lord in the cool of the Sunday. We need to live our life every day in that. So I, I just remind you of that for some reason I think is important because as we approach this, plat, this passage in, in Genesis, we have Abram. Abraham has had some experiences with God. They're very significant. And he's gone a long time waiting for a promise. He's received the promise. The promise is the son. So he's received him. He has him. He's enjoying his life. In Genesis 21, verse... 33 says and Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and he called there on the name of the Lord the everlasting God and Abraham sojourned into the Philistines land many days and it came to pass that after these things that God did test Abraham some translations use the word tempt but the Hebrew word is not translated tempt it's translated test so um, you and I who grew up in a mean church, if we grew up in a mean church, we liked that word tempt because we really thought God was just that way. But the Bible says that the Lord cannot tempt you with sin. So you must let scripture interpret scripture and we certainly must let the nature and character of God be true all the way through scripture. It says that he tested Abraham and he said unto Abraham, God's going to give him a test. And he even tells him about the test. He says to Abraham, uh, he said to him, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, your only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest and go into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. And Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he cleaved the wood for the burnt offering and he rose up and he went to the place which the Lord God had told him. This is a very important thought for us. God wants us to see the place that he's asking us to go to. And the region of Moriah is where Jerusalem is now located. And there are seven hills, basically a citadel. These hills are seven and they create the citadel that Jerusalem is. I find it interesting that Abraham found the right hill for his sacrifice. How about you? 
He didn't say just go to any place. He said, go until I show you the place and there you will sacrifice your son. So he said to him, these two men, and he went, and on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes in verse four of chapter 22, and he saw the place afar off. I find that striking that he sees the place afar off. It's not just any place. It's a specific place. And the Lord says, and that's the place, and he can see it afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, abide ye here with this donkey. And I and the lad will go in yonder and we will worship and come again to you. And so Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and they were going to go and make an altar. So I'm looking here in this, uh, in this research, um, thinking about the name of Jehovah Jireh or Yura. And I see how God has called Abraham to go to a specific place. I want to ask you to consider that there are times where God yet will call you to go to a specific place and just camp out before him for an encounter with him. But the Lord will not ask you to lay your children on an altar and kill them. Although he may ask you to give your children to him. He may ask you to give your children to him. Instead of you being their savior, he may require that you allow him to be their savior. So because this specific place God has for him is very important, Abraham goes, he sees it afar off, and he goes to that place. Now, God had a ram prepared for Abraham, and he had one hill where he wanted Abraham to go and offer a sacrifice, and Abraham didn't know that he had found the right hill until after he had gotten there. And aren't you glad that God who is wiser than us still says, this is the place. Even when you can't see the provision, you obey and you go to it. I'm not preaching from theory. I'm not teaching from theory. I am sharing with you from my heart and from my life what God has done in Cindy and ours in our life. And Pastor Cindy and I, as we have walked this road of relationship with the Lord, I can tell you right now, and, and Cindy can bear witness to it, that um, we, we have learned that it's better to be right smack dab in the middle of God's will, even when you can't see the provision yet. God provided a specific place for Abraham to worship. God wanted him to worship him. And Abraham is hearing that it's going to be the son that's going to be this uh, sacrifice. I can tell you, there are specific places that we're called to worship. The Lord called me specifically to Joplin Family Worship Center. I didn't happen here by way of going on Route 66 somewhere. I wasn't on my way to Tulsa to eat at, you know, Eddie's Steakhouse one day. And the Lord said, pastor them people. Anytime I ever went to Eddie's Steakhouse, it was on purpose. And yum, yum. It was good. Are you hearing me? We do things on purpose. I was minding my own business in Michigan when he said, there's a, a much warmer place I want you to go to. The land of whirlwinds. And I went... <laughs> Come on, somebody. Well, just as he calls a pastor to a specific place, he calls his people to specific places. God calls you to a specific place. 
I'm going to hang out here for just a minute because I've got to tell you something. My son and my daughter-in-law have told me that in the Pacific Northwest, it is not strange that a, a family would have 10 churches that they attend in the course of you know, multiple weeks. That literally they'll show up at one place for the worship and then rush out, jump in the car and go to another place to hear the preaching. Because they like the music here, but they don't like what the preacher's saying. So they'd rather go over here and get what the preacher's saying over here. And then the next service, they're at a different place. And another service, they're at another place. That's a vagabond spirit. It's just driving. It's just driving you to what, you know, tickles you, like makes you happy. Now, I'm going to tell you, um, there are times where some of my brethren and sister and here in this community, they've got classes that are available that we're not offering right now. And I want people to get those classes. I don't think I'm the only show in town. I say show because people think that sometimes. You just think you're the only show in town. No, I, I don't. I don't think that at all. I think that God is speaking a great word in this community through a number of houses of worship. But God calls a person to a house of worship for a reason. I'm going to tell you why. Because you, what you add in strength through prayer, intercession, and your partnership empowers the vision to be accomplished. This is not a rebuke. It's an identification that God told Abraham to go to a specific place and worship there. I just see something powerful. So here it's in my notes. God called me specifically to JFWC. I believe God calls people specifically to JFWC. And if it's not JFWC, I want to help you find the place that it is. Why? Because we're called to be plugged in and bear fruit. I'm preaching so good right now. I'm preaching and teaching better than I'm hearing amens to, but that's okay. So I know that, you know, some people um, get tired uh, of of a certain expression in this house. Sometimes people kind of get wearied, you know, they stand so long. Y'all, the praise team stands for rehearsal and then they stand for the worship and they don't get to sit down to the preaching. I stand for the worship and then I stand to teach or preach. I've been standing for a while already. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that there's just something delightful about being in the presence of the Lord. If you need to set and worship, all more power to you. But be engaged in worship. Some folks just say they stand too long. Their service is too long. I might haul somebody off to the to another country and show you how long services are. My God, I've been in services that lasted four and five hours. No wonder Paul preached so long. Somebody fell out the window. It was Paul's response. John, it was Paul's responsibility to raise the man from the dead. He killed him with that long-winded preaching. It was him. It was on him, dude. It was on him. He had to raise him from the dead, you know? Thank God. And, and if you fall out of a window here and die, Sister Shoot will be praying for you, okay? Because that's an anomaly to fall out of a window in this house and die. So I'm going to just ask her to go raise you from the dead and cast something out because you should not be falling out of a window and dying in this house. We have no two-story windows here that you should be doing that with. But I'm saying to you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you'll get there, you'll see the place of your provision, even though you can't see the provision yet. Abraham didn't know other than just obey. And it got there. He didn't realize that there was a blessing for him waiting in the thicket. 
So he rose up in the morning. We read it. He saddled the donkey, took the two young men, got there. Abraham was ready to obey the Lord. I'm asking you, be ready to obey the Lord. If you want to know him by Jehovah Jireh, the Lord's provision shall be seen. The Lord provides. The Lord is my provision. If you want to know him by that, you'll have to obey first. The component is obey and do what he's asking you to do. In that obedience is provision. And it's not just any hill on the citadel of where Jerusalem will one day be. It's not just any place. It's the place. In other words, don't stumble around over you're trying to be obedient. Be obedient and say, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to go to the place you have for me. Amen. So Abraham was ready. He obeyed the Lord. Now listen, the Lord, it took him a few days to get to the place where God wanted him to be. I mean, he traveled three days. I don't know about you, but I know a whole lot of Christian folk. I know a whole lot of Christian folk, if they thought they were going to have to sacrifice something pretty major, halfway through the first day, they would turn around and say, the heck with this. I know because I'm counseling them, you know, later on in life when they're trying to figure out why things didn't go well for them. Well, obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, God didn't want to kill Isaac. God wanted to show Abraham that he will always be his provision. It was never, ever, it was a test, but it was never, ever about making Abraham miserable. It was about showing Abraham his own heart was so committed. (laughs) I got something to tell you. Never did he hesitate. Let's not hesitate. Abraham, you know, Abraham could have gone to his oldest servant. He could have said, listen, God's asking me to go sacrifice, you know, the boy. And gosh, I'm supposed to send you after a while to go get a wife for him. But um, now he's wanting me to go kill him and offer him to the Lord. Uh, No, Abraham didn't have the wherewithal to say, I'm going to send you to go get a wife. None of that's happened yet. It's just being obedient. Abraham didn't go ask other people. For permission or do you think this is a good idea from the Lord Abraham didn't ask his servants is this right now I understand I understand the biblical principles of those who have spiritual insight and oversight for you you know pastors who speak into your life to run stuff by them but I'm talking about a lot of people God is God is asking them to trust him fully in something and they want to just run to a bunch of friends and say do you think I should really do that and I'm going to tell you there's a lot of folk who don't want to trust the Lord fully why would they encourage you to do so if they don't want to you have to be so careful you need to vet the person speaking the word of the Lord into your life Thank you for listening to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center. Listen to this broadcast again at KNEO.org. You can also download a podcast version of today's message by searching KNEO on iTunes. Joplin Family Worship Center is located on East 7th Street in Joplin and has ministries for all ages. They invite you to join them this week for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Find out more at jfwc.org or facebook.com slash Joplin Family Worship Center. Follow Pastor Dan on Twitter at Daniel H. Wormuth. Thank you for listening. And remember, in Him, you are free.